welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Anybody sick of winter? Man, I am, I am just so, I've had it. Yeah, you can clap for that if you want. You don't have to. <laughs> it's not, it's really not going to help if we clap, but it's nice to feel that. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online today. Glad you can join us anytime you can. We know that you're a part of our congregation, so glad to have everybody here. And happy Easter to everyone. I especially want to welcome those of you this is your first time here today. If, if it's been a while since you've been in church, I just invite you to relax, uh, sit back, take it in. Before we get started, though, next week, we do begin a series called Seven Words to Change Your Life, because one word can actually do that. A word like, yes, I will, or no, I won't, can actually determine the direction of your life. A word like, I'm sorry, can heal relationships. It's going to be a fantastic series beginning next week. Don't miss it. If you're in the Twin Cities or online, I hope you can join us uh, for that series. But today we, we celebrate the most, really the most life-changing event the world has ever known. I mean, without Jesus' resurrection, Christianity collapses. Paul, one of the biblical writers, said it this way. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then our faith, those of us who have faith, is useless. We are dead in our sins. But, he says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. By the way, if you're not a believer uh, here today or watching online, I'm I'm so glad you're here, uh, just exploring things, I guess. But if you're not a believer, and I had one chance to try to convince you to put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, I would not point to the fact that He was a great teacher or a great miracle worker. If all we can say is Jesus was a great teacher and miracle worker, I would not waste my time trying to convince you to follow Him because I would not follow Him for those reasons only. The only reason I'm here today and why three billion Christians around the world are worshiping Jesus Christ today as their Lord, as their God, is because a dead man rose from the grave. A dead and buried man came back to life. He appeared before hundreds of people, and 40 days later, he ascended into heaven. And it's something that people actually saw and experienced. Y'all might have noticed a bridge on our stage today. Personal note, I'm actually enthralled by bridges and airplanes. I love bridges. My wife says when I'm 85, all she has to do is sit me in a lawn chair next to an airport and let me watch the planes go by, and it's true. I could do that all day long, but I also love bridges. In fact, 38 years ago, we honeymooned on the northeast coast of the, uh, of the United States, uh, Maine, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and half of the pictures I took on our honeymoon were of bridges, like this one here is the McConnell's Mills Bridges. This is actually where I, where I grew up as a kid, and this is the Slippery Rock Creek. Isn't that a great name for a creek where I did a lot of my trout fishing as a boy? But bridges just amaze me. The Mackinac Bridge, for example, in northern Michigan, and the Golden Gate Bridge are just structural wonders to me. Uh, the Brooklyn Bridge in New York was built in 1872, almost 150 years ago. It took them 15 years to build, and 27 men died while they were trying to construct this bridge. And the question is, why do people build bridges? Well, there's a chasm that needs to be spanned. There's something of value on the other side. And while we've been able to build these amazing structures to span geological chasms, we haven't been so skilled at bridging relational chasms, have we? Or spiritual chasms. My guess is there's probably hundreds of relational chasms represented here today. Marriages that aren't doing well. 
fractured. Friends and siblings who no longer speak to each other, they've parted ways. But because of Easter, there's, there's a power available to bridge some of those gaps. In fact, 2 Peter says it this way, God's divine power has given us, all of us who have faith, everything we need. God's power is available for everything we need to get through in this life. But let me take you back a couple of years. A few years ago, my wife and I were on a hike, and I needed to do a little bridge building with her. I've told this story before, but we were hiking along the north shore of Minnesota, Lake Superior, and we looked at our map, and we, we chose this route on our map. Uh, starts on the west side of the Temperance River and comes up along the, the ridge here, and then down along the east side of the Cross River and back to the parking lot, about a, about a four-mile, two-and-a-half-hour hike, uh, hike, no problem. But I looked at the map, I said, Lord, I said, why don't we be a little adventurous? Why don't we take the trail on the east side of the Temperance because if I was designing a trail system, I would put a bridge right here. And we can cross that bridge and then continue our hike. It looks more scenic on this side. I don't know why I thought it looked more scenic. It's just a map. But I thought, let's do that, and we'll cross over and, and finish our hike. But she said, but Bob, she's always the cautious one, by the way, in our family. Bob, that trail is on the wrong side of the river. And on the map, there's no bridge there. I said, yeah, but if I was designing a trail system, I would put a bridge right there. And so off we went. Two hours later, we were hopelessly lost and about ready to walk off a cliff when a lone hiker came to our rescue. I hadn't seen another person in over an hour. And he was on a three-day overnight deal, all kinds of gear, backpack, you name it. And so I said to him, I said, excuse me. I said, we're trying to get over to the Cross River. Where's the bridge that crosses the temperance? And he looked at my wife like, you poor woman. No kidding. And then he said to me, there's no bridge up here. I said, are you sure? Because if I designed a trail system, I would, I would put a bridge. No kidding. That's what I said. I'd put a bridge right there. He said, there's no bridge. You're way off. You have to go back. I said, well, I said, how about if we slide down this embankment and just wade across the temperance? Have you ever seen the temperance? There's no way to do that. But I said, what if we try that? He said, look, pal. Look, pal. There's no bridge. If you keep going this way, you're never going to get back. And then he mentioned the prevalence of bears and mountain lions, which I thought was a total stretch. But he said, you're on the wrong side of the river. You have to go back. And my wife looks like this sweet little harmless thing. But when her Irish blood starts to boil, you just got to step back and let her go. And I didn't catch all of it, but she was walking behind me, just chirping away at me, just letting me have it from the backside. And as we turned to go back down the trail, her first phrase, I'll never forget it. She said, I could just beat you. I told you we were on the wrong side of the river. Why do I listen to you? Followed by this, you must have been a real plague as a child. <laughs> and then she said, you're going to be celibate for the rest of your life. Now that one I heard, <laughs> loud and clear. And our two and a half hour hike turned into four and a half. And I needed to do a little bridge building. But gang, isn't it scary how quickly chasms form in our relationships.
anger builds. We blow up a relationship and says who we say, who gives a rip, I have other friends. But man, when you get to a point where all you have are chasms and you're hurting and you feel alone and you're anxious and afraid, maybe it's time to build a bridge. I just wonder how many chasms and what kind of chasms are represented here today that separates us from the life that God wants for us. You know, maybe you're a 20-something here today, and we have so many 20-somethings that attend our church, and I'm so glad you're here. And I would just charge you and encourage you to lead the way for your generation. But the 20s are so hard and so confusing, and there's, there's these weird chasms of, you know, trying to figure out a career, and will marriage ever happen? And, and it's just a difficult time of life, and there's these gaps. Or maybe for you, it's a financial chasm that just seems impossible to cross. For some of you, it's an addiction that is separating you from everything that's good. And you wonder where I'll end up. For some here today, maybe it's a loss of a loved one or child that, that is so painful, it seems like you'll never be able to cross over to happiness again. But gang, here's what I want you to know. I hope you grab hold of this truth. God's power shows up best in chasms. God's power is revealed the most when there's a problem, an impossible situation, a gap, a chasm in our life. That's where God's power gets a chance to work. In fact, when Jesus died, all hope in the world was absolutely gone. But God's power shows up best in those situations. And three days later, when Jesus rose again and defeated death, the world was forever changed. And by the way, those of us who have faith in him, our lives also have been forever changed. In fact, a few weeks after Jesus rose and ascended into heaven, two of his disciples, Peter and John, were entering a temple to pray. And there was this man lying in front of the temple who had been crippled since birth. The Bible says he was in his 40s. And it was a chasm for him. He couldn't go anywhere, do anything. It was impossible for him to cross. He couldn't walk, work, or use a restroom independently. He would probably never marry, probably never have kids. But God's power was about to show up in his life. And so Peter and John approached this guy, and he calls out to them for money because he's a beggar. That's all he can do. Just please, do you have any money? And Peter looks at him and says, hey, we don't have any money. But what we have is far better in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Imagine that moment. He had never walked in his life. But suddenly he felt strength in his legs. He stood up and his chasms were about to fall away. He ran into the temple. And when people saw him, the people of the temple saw him, they were shocked, the Bible says, because he had been a fixture in front of that temple all their lives that they'd known this guy. He'd been a fixture crippled from birth. Peter and John followed him into the temple. And if you remember, remember Peter before the crucifixion and resurrection? Peter was afraid of his own shadow. Remember this? He disowned even knowing Jesus three times, even to little kids. Peter walks into the temple following this guy in, and he said to the same people who had a hand in Jesus' crucifixion, these Jewish leaders, he walks in, I love this. He says, men of Israel, now he's bold. 
Why are you surprised? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power we made this man walk? God did this through Jesus. By the way, Peter says, this is the same Jesus who you all in this room, not you, but the Jewish leaders and people there in that room of that day, who you all disowned before Pilate. Remember Pilate? Pilate was the Roman governor who actually sentenced Jesus to death. But these Jewish leaders were the ones who disowned Jesus and pushed, them, pushed him to Pilate for, for trial. This is the same Jesus who you all, the Jewish leaders in this room, disowned before Pilate. You killed, you people in this room, you Jewish leaders, Killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are all witnesses of this. It's in Jesus' name this man is healed, as we can all see. And then this next verse. The religious leaders were greatly disturbed by this. Do you think? <laughs> Peter just accused them of killing the Son of God. He said, you killed the author of life. And so what they did, they put Peter and John in prison. And the very next day, they brought in the high priest, the Jewish high priest. Remember Caiaphas? And Caiaphas wanted to question Peter and John. And Caiaphas says this, by what power did you heal this man? I love this. Peter, filled with God's spirit, said, rulers and elders of the people, know this. It's by the name of Jesus. Remember. In case you've forgotten, whom you all crucified. Amazing. I think he pointed at Caiaphas. You're the one, Caiaphas. You know it. This wasn't years ago. This was just a few weeks ago. Well, guess what, Caiaphas? God raised him from the dead. John and I saw the empty tomb. We followed Jesus around for 40 days. He appeared before 500 witnesses before ascending into heaven. God raised him. We saw it. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is what healed this man. And I just want to pause and say, time out. This same power is available to you and to me to heal whatever's broken in our lives. Again, I just wonder what chasms might exist in our lives today. We all have them in some form. And we need a power beyond ourselves to cross these chasms. But there's just two that I want to touch on today. And the first one is this. It's the relational chasm that probably most of us have with someone. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this. But even I have a couple of relational chasms right now in my life that I haven't been able to solve. And it bothers me. And my life doesn't feel right. And it's complex, and there's a lot of things that are complex about relationships. But isn't this true? Those closest to us often inflict the deepest wounds on us. I mean, how do you build a bridge with somebody who hurt you or disowned you? How do you extend forgiveness toward an ex-spouse, for example, who's made your life miserable, or to a friend who excluded you? to a dad who abandoned you, to a mom who constantly belittled you. How do you build a bridge? Well, honestly, maybe you don't. 
You know, maybe that person is so toxic that you shouldn't try to build a bridge until they do their own relational work so that you can relate to them. But maybe it's somebody you really care about. But, you know, they bruised your ego or they said something stupid and now there's a chasm. You know, for 40 years, this man laid outside the temple crippled. You know, think of the chasms in his life again. No friends, teammates. He'd never marry, have kids. He was completely alone until one day he called out to Peter and John for money. And Peter said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And that was the moment a new power came into his life and his chasms began to fall away. Gang, here's what I believe about most of us. Most of us have a relational chasm somewhere in our past or in our present that God wants to heal. And I know it might be something you don't even want to think about, something you don't even want to talk about, but what? Just imagine, what if God could heal that relationship and make it new? You know, what if God could do a work in your life and in theirs and healing would begin to happen? Or at the very least, what if you could be released from the anger and bitterness that exists inside you because of what that person may have done and just feel free again? Some of you are saying, Bob, you have no idea what that person did to me. It was unforgivable. They're out of my life forever. And I get it. So here, here's, what I, here's what I'm not asking you to do. I am not asking you to minimize what they did. I'm not asking you to minimize. I'm not asking you to relax your boundaries. You, you may have to keep those strong boundaries up, up and to protect yourself, protect your family or whatever. I'm not asking you to subject yourself to more abuse. Honestly, some people are so manipulative and so dishonest that you should not try to build a bridge with them in, this current, in their current state. I'm talking about the relationships that are worth restoring. You know, just imagine this with me. Imagine if, if instead of bitterness and resentment, there would be warmth and joy again. Imagine if with God's power, you could be friends again who support and pray for each other. I wonder who comes to mind as I ask these questions for you. Author Shauna Nequist writes about her own battle with forgiveness and bridge building, and she says it this way, when I'm trying to forgive someone, I picture myself lifting them off a big hook. She says, I never want to. I would rather criticize and fume and be mad. She says, recently, a friend of mine made me crazy mad, and I wanted her to apologize and give me a present, too. <laughs> but Nothing. No text, no call, no large bouquet of flowers. Why should I forgive someone who doesn't even think she needs to be forgiven? Shauna says, because I want to sleep at night. That's why. I want my neck and my back to stop hurting. I want to be joyful again. Because every time I put her back on the hook, the hook reaches down and grabs me. So I chose to let her off the hook. I chose to forgive her. So why am I still mad? Because I have to let her off the hook over and over and over again until I'm free. 
Forgiveness is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Forgiveness is something you have to do over and over until you're finally free. It's also a choice. Gang, you will never feel like forgiving someone. I've never felt like forgiving giving anyone. Never felt like it. It is a choice of the will you have to choose. Here it is. You have to choose to let go of what that person did to you. You have to give that to God and trust that God will deal correctly with that person. But you gotta choose to do it so that you can be free. And relationships are complicated and they're messy, but if you want to have joy and you want to have peace and you want to move forward in life, you've got to learn how to build a bridge. All I'm saying is maybe there's a relationship that God wants to restore for you. What if instead of shutting down and building a chasm, you know, you sent a text and said, look, I miss, I miss our relationship. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can raise a relationship from the dead because God's power shows up best in chasms. But there's another chasm we need to talk about before we leave today. Leave today. It's the spiritual chasm that we all have between ourselves and God at some level. You know, right after Peter accused the Jewish leaders for killing Jesus, he said this word, he said these words, great verse. Peter said, look, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Do you understand what Peter's saying here? He's saying there's only one way to heaven. There's only one bridge that goes across the chasm between us and God, and it's Jesus Christ himself. The reason Peter said there's no other name by which we must be saved is because there's nobody else who was raised from the dead. If you know of someone, let me know. Jesus is the only one in history who's done that. Only Jesus paid the penalty for our sins by dying on a cross, and then he proved his power, his divinity, by rising from the dead. There is no other name by which we must be saved from our own sins and from our own death. We don't like to talk about death much. I don't either. Don't like to think about it. But what's concerning to me is that for some of us, it's gonna happen this year. You won't be here next year for some of us. For some of us, it's five years, in the next five years, or in the next 10 years, but it's coming for every one of us. But death isn't our only problem. The Bible says that our sin has separated us from God, that sin has put a chasm between us and God, and there's no amount of good works that can bridge that chasm. And I want to draw this if I can, and those of you who've been around a while know that this is always risky for me to draw something, but this one's easy. So let's just say, you know, God's at the top, and God is is perfect, perfectly holy, always, you know, always has been, always will be. And then let's just say at the bottom here, there's the worst sinner in the world in history, whoever that might be. But in between, there's this gap. And, you know, a lot of people in the world think, if I'm just good enough, God's going to, you know, give me a pass. And by the way, if, you know, most of us say, well, I'm certainly better than that person. And so we think that we're good to go. But let's just 
let's just think about this because the Bible says no amount of good works is good enough. You know, Mother Teresa, let's look at, look at her just for a second. Mother Teresa, considered the most righteous person to ever live, perhaps, or one of them. Mother Teresa once said, I am nothing before God. I am a sinner in needing God's grace. I would think Mother Teresa would put herself somewhere here on the goodness scale. Billy Graham, just passed, 99 years old, fantastic man of God. Served Christ faithfully, led thousands of people to faith in Christ. Billy Graham once uh, identified himself with the thief on the cross, a lying, stealing, cheating individual. Billy Graham, I'm sure, would put himself below Mother Teresa. Let's just have a little fun. Who's your, who's your newest favorite Minnesota Viking? Kurt Cousins, right? <laughs> At least he's mine. So I want to show you a 30-second video of his press conference. Just happened a couple weeks ago. Watch this, then I'll come back. My family and I are humbled and honored to be here today. Um, we're thrilled to, to be a part of this organization. Um, there are many people to thank in a moment like this that have brought me to this point. For a long time, my family and I have prayed uh, a verse from the Bible, Ephesians 3.20, uh, which says, uh, and now to him uh, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And um, that has been our prayer Today, that prayer has certainly been answered, but we will continue to pray it more than ever as we go forward uh, that God would uh, continue to do uh, immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. At 84 million, he better do immeasurably more <laughs> than anybody could imagine. But Kurt Cousins, as, as great as a guy he is, Kurt would put himself well below, I'm sure. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, he has no chance, okay? <laughs> He, he's, he's, he's got a lot of work to do, man. I'm telling you. Actually, I like the Packers a little bit. You know, if I were to ask you, who is your favorite pastor that speaks on this stage? Some of you would say Jason Strand. And that's, and that's great. I, I, that's fine. I love this guy. 39 years old, fantastic young man serves God faithfully. We office right next to each other. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, we, we remodeled, a few weeks ago, we remodeled his office and those who, re, who did the cleaning and remodeling said, Bob, you know, on the outside of his office looks great. Underneath his desk is a disaster. They said it looked like a little kid in a high chair had been sitting there for 10 years with this two layers of crud, gummy bears, sour worms, Cheetos, chips, all kinds of food and just crap underneath his desk. And I'm, so all that to say, okay, Jason's got issues, just a few. <laughs> but I'm sure, okay, I'm sure that Jason would put his, himself below. Let me tell you about my height chair. If Jason's got two inches of crud under his, I've got at least four. Just by virtue, I've lived 20 more years than he has. I have sinned, had a chance to sin 20 more years. I'm Honestly, I would put myself below. Now, he'll catch up if he lives long enough, okay? 
But my question to all of you would be this. Where would you put yourself? Where would you put yourself? Or are you just going to take a chance and God, I'm just going to hope and pray that, you know, there's this gap that we all have. The Bible says we have this gap, this chasm that exists between us and God. The Bible says none of us, by the way, are good enough. All of us have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of God's standard, short of God's glory. None of us are strong enough to raise ourselves from the dead. Who's going to do that for you? Do you have a plan when that day comes for you? It's why Easter matters so much. It says, the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to raise you and me from the dead and from our sins. But we have to respond. We have to choose to put our full trust in Jesus as our Savior and walk across the bridge of faith. The Bible says this, God so loved the world. God so loves every single one of you. God so loves you that he sent his son that whoever believes, this is so key, in him, whoever walks across this bridge of faith will not perish, but have eternal life. Have you done that? Have you put your full trust in the, in the Savior, in the God, the Jesus, who died to pay for your sins and then broke this curse, this thing called death that we all face, Will you align yourself with him and claim him if you haven't as your Savior? Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church in California, author of the Purpose Driven Life book, tremendous man. Rick and his wife, Kay, had rediscovered the power of Jesus' resurrection when their 27-year-old son, Matthew, took his own life, battling depression, mental illness. Rick's been asked many times how they've been able to cope with such a painful loss. And he says it this way, he says, the only way, the only answer is Easter. The death and resurrection of Jesus happened over three days, Rick says. Friday was the day of suffering and pain. Saturday was the day of doubt and confusion. But Sunday is the day we hold on to. Sunday was the day of joy and victory over sin and death. He says, the fact is, all of us will face these three days over and over in our lifetime. And we will have to ask these three questions. What will I do? What am I going to do? In my days of pain and loss. What am I going to do? In my days of doubt and confusion. And how do I get to the days of joy and victory? The answer, Rick Warren says, is Easter. And I agree with him. Some of you have experienced what the Warrens have, the tragic loss of a loved one. And what I want you to know is that God has built a bridge for you. Gang, the answer to every suicide is Easter. The answer to every tragic loss is Easter. The answer to every miscarriage, and I know some of you have been through that. The answer to every divorce, to every loss and loneliness, is that God so loved this world that he sent a savior. He sent his son 
to enter the chasm of our loss and pain and sin and death. And he laid down his life. He paid for all of us. And then he rose again. That anyone who puts their faith in him will also rise again. As we close our time today, I, I want to especially pray for the ultimate chasm that exists between us and God because the solution to every other chasm in our lives is bridging this ultimate chasm. And so as after I pray, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to dismiss everybody uh, to go your way. But as people are quietly leaving the service at all of our campuses, if you want to just kind of hang back and physically walk across this bridge. If you pray this prayer of faith today to receive Christ, I invite you just to hang back and, you know, put a stake in the ground, just kind of a physical marker in your life that this was the day I crossed the bridge of faith. Or maybe for some of you, it's a commitment a relationship that you want to restore and so you want to ask for God's power and help and I'd invite you up. Just pray a brief prayer before you cross the bridge and walk across saying, God, I'm trusting you. I need your power. You know, some of us, maybe we've drifted from God and there's an emptiness. There's a lot. We've been careless morally and I would just invite you to say, God, I'm going to fully commit myself to following you. And today I want to walk across this bridge of faith just to reconnect and rededicate my life to serving you and knowing you. So again, we're not going to shine a light on people. We're just going to, it's not going to be weird. But again, I'm going to instruct, if you want to just leave, you can. But do that quietly. I want to lead those of you who are ready to receive Christ in faith in prayer. And by the way, you don't have to cross a bridge physically to receive Christ and get your life straightened out. You can be good with God just where you're sitting and leave. That's good. That's great. We're just offering this as an opportunity. Hundreds of people have done it this, this weekend. So let's bow in prayer real quickly at all campuses, if you would. Father, thank you so much for what you did for every one of us. And you offer this free gift. But we need to respond. We need to choose. God, some of us sitting here watching online, there's nothing but chasms in our life. Just a trail of broken relationships and messed up choices. That God, today we can be born again. We can be born anew. So if you want to pray this prayer of faith, I just invite you to quietly whisper this prayer to God. Just follow me. God knows your heart. It goes like this. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for loving me even though I was running away from you, sinning. Thank you that you died for me and rose again, conquering death. And so right now, right here, Lord Jesus Christ, I am putting my faith in you. I am crossing this bridge of faith in you so that my sins can be forgiven and my eternity can be sealed in heaven on the day I die. Today I become a Christian, a real one. Thank you for saving me in this moment, in Christ's name. If you prayed that prayer, we'd like to get some resources to you. Text BELIEVE, 555-888.
again. Happy Easter, everybody. Thanks for coming. Many will be leaving, but if you want to cross the bridge, come on up. God bless all of you.